Welcome to Giving Grief a Voice, hosted by Maureen Desmond. Maureen is founder of Navigating Through Loss, a grief consulting business that guides and supports those going through loss and significant change. In this podcast, Maureen and each of her guests explore their own real-life loss journey and the strategies that help them find meaning in their struggle to face their fears and emotions. Welcome listeners. Today I'm here with Maria Barnes, the author of Put Cancer Behind You. She shares the wrath that cancer has had in her life as well as generations before her and the constant ebb and flow of the loss. She courageously shares how her mindset has been a powerful tool as she continues her journey of hope, beauty, and clarity. She is a woman to be reckoned with. Good afternoon, Maria. I am so honored to have you here with me today. Well, thank you, Maureen. I'm so pleased to be here with you today. Thank you for the invitation. Oh, you bet. So thank you for being on this episode of Giving Grief a Voice. And I am just so honored, like I said, to have you here because you have had quite a journey through grief. And your grief has been through this thread or theme of cancer. And not only your own diagnoses, but also those within your family that go back quite a few generations. That's right. Oh, my goodness. So one of the first places I wanted to start with you today is to you know, have you tell me more about your first awareness of the conversations around cancer within your family. And then was it an open topic for you? Was it something that you had to kind of dig and find yourself? What, what, what happened? Sure. Where do I begin? I guess I want to say that the first time I really realized cancer was a potential or something that impacted my family and my life was when my both of my grandmothers got sick with cancer and eventually died from it in the mid-70s. And, you know, they were both in their 80s. And so in my family, it was just kind of written off as, well, you know, they're old and people die. So it wasn't a really big conversation topic. But there was some fear around it because of the in the 60s, when I was a child, cancer was basically, for the most part, not curable. And so if you knew somebody who had cancer, the chances were that they were going to pass. And certainly in the 70s, that still held true. So both of my grandmothers did pass from cancer, one from kidney cancer and the other from metastatic breast cancer. But then we didn't give it any more thought. And we had 20 years of good health. And then, bam, my mother got breast cancer. And her mother had died of metastatic breast cancer. Then it really became a topic of conversation because I was afraid my mother was going to die. She ended up not dying at that time. And she got better. But it was very dramatic. It was a, it was a long haul. So cancer really came to the fore in in our family. It really was front and center in our health you know, conversations. And then two years after my mother was diagnosed, my sister, who was in her mid-30s at the time, was diagnosed with stage three cancer, also breast cancer. And that's when the lights began to go on like, hey, my grandmother, my mother, my sister, maybe there's something going on here in the family. So my sister's oncologist had her tested for the one of the breast or both of the breast cancer genes, and it came back positive for the breast cancer 2 gene, 
which meant that it was a good bet that my mother had it and that my grandmother had had it. Sure enough, my mom gets tested. Yes, she has the gene. So at that point, we knew, okay, there's a 50-50 chance that I'm one of eight siblings that four of us are going to get cancer statistically. It's a 50-50. And sure enough, four of us, maybe more of us actually at this point have had cancer. Wow. What a, oh my goodness, what a, what a journey of, of cancer in your family. And so what you're saying is you all have the same type of cancer. Here's the interesting thing. Everyone else does except me. <laughs> I don't have the gene. Even and they tested they tested me twice for the breast cancer genes because they didn't believe the test. I came back negative twice. And then they tested me for about thirty five other genes that are associated with breast cancer. Absolutely zero nothing. So my cancer is not genetic in any way, shape, or form, but all of my siblings is, and my mother's was, and my grandmother's, we presume, was as well. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So knowing that, tell me more about your own experience with cancer and sort of what happened and when and I have all kinds of things going through my head, but let's start there with your own experience. Sure. So after my mom got well, and then we dealt with my sister's cancer, what really the takeaway for me was that people could survive cancer. Instead of, I grew up with the idea that you were absolutely going to die from cancer, and yet I had a mother and a sister surviving breast cancer. So in 2006, when I was diagnosed with breast cancer, I actually wasn't afraid that I was going to die. In fact, I'd never even entertained the idea that I would get cancer. I never thought I had the gene, which I don't. And then I didn't think I was ever going to die from it. So when I walked out of that meeting that day, when they told me about, you know, showed me the, all the scans and everything and, you know, talked about the cancer and all this, and then the treatment, I thought, I'm, you know, I felt fully confident that I was going to kick it. And, and I did for 10 years. <laughs> and then... You know, I woke up one morning and I had a really bad backache. And I thought, wow, that's really strange. What did I do last night that, you know, gave me such a bad backache? So I sat on some, you know, soft pillows for a few days and then went finally to get a CT scan, which confirmed that I actually had a tumor in my spine, which ended up being metastatic breast cancer, which I had no idea was considered terminal. So metastatic breast cancer is stage four. They tell you. And I had, you know, when she sat me down to tell me this, she said, well, I said, so what are we we doing here? Thinking it's going to be the same regimen as it was before. She goes, well, this time it's different. We can't cure you. And I said, what do you mean you can't cure me? So the first time, yes, we're going to do, we're going to go all out. We think that we can cure you. This time, nope, it's stage four, you know, basically. She wouldn't tell me how long I had, but the average lifespan is three years with metastatic breast cancer. But as she's sitting there telling me this, I thought, well, it really doesn't matter what she's telling me because guess what? I'm not buying any of it and I don't feel I'm going to die from cancer and that's that. So I walked out of there with the idea that eh, I have cancer again, but I'm going to somehow, I didn't know how, but I just felt that I was going to beat it and now I'm in remission. My goodness. So I want to hear more about those feelings, like that confidence, that experience of just knowing, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to get this specific cancer and, or I'm going to survive this. Tell me more about that. 
Right. So that came after many years of going through, of dealing with a lot of grief and dealing with a lot of loss. I didn't start that way. Even though I was confident the first time I was diagnosed that I would kick it, and I did for 10 years, it was a shock to have cancer. My life changed dramatically. It was, I lost myself in that journey for a little bit. Everything is different physically for me. The drugs did a real number on me, and I still am living with many of those side effects to this day. And it, that, you know, it's been over 15 years now. So it's been a long time. It's been a long journey with the, the detritus, basically, of cancer. I mean, what it does to your body and how it can change you physically. And so that has led to, you know, I had to say goodbye to my old life. There, it's, it's just not the same. So I had to deal with that for a long time. And each year I was able to deal a little bit better with the grief and the loss of the old me and what that meant. And so through the years, I just became stronger for it. And when I was eventually told that I had it again, I thought, mm, you know, I, I know I just had faith that somehow I was going this long. And if it came back, there was a lesson for me to learn. But there was also a lesson for me to teach, and I understood that. I understood at a very basic level inside of me that it is basically a soul contract, and that this I had put together before I arrived here, and I hadn't played it out fully, and now's the time. So I was going to have to rise to the occasion, or I was not going to survive it. So here I am still surviving it, but I had to change many things. It's been a dark night of the soul, so to speak, but I realized that I think actually my main purpose for this lifetime actually was to come to go through it again and then to teach people how to empower themselves to get well and to stay well. And so there's, I couldn't have done that had I not gone through cancer the first time, had I not worked through the grief, had I not had to change everything about my life had I not had to question everything yeah it was it's been a long haul so but you know there is light at the end of the tunnel it does not have to be a death sentence it is frequently for many people however but it doesn't have to be it just depends on what you're doing how, how you work it Maria your story is amazing I, I'm thinking about just the fact that you have this inner voice right? That's sort of guiding you, that's sort of allowing you to feel and be who you are, who you want to be. And I love that. It's so important. And I wonder if it's because of the journey you're on. And then you also bring up the words grief quite a few times when you talk about this journey. And so many people don't associate grieving and a cancer diagnosis, especially one where you're surviving it, they don't put that together. And, you know, we know that grief is a lot of different things, not just the loss of a loved one or our own lives. It's It can be many things. So I want to pick up a little bit more on that piece of your journey. And, you know, sort of you've had to be an advocate for yourself as well through this, right? Yes. And what other events were were kind of happening in the background or, or were going on at the times that you got those diagnoses? And is there do you think there's any connection to that? Yes. 
So <laughs> I always say that I was new age before new age was even in existence. So I, even as a kid, I loved all things spiritual. I loved all things astrological. I just loved anything that was kind of mystical. I've always had that bent. So before I was diagnosed with cancer, I had become a student of what they call A Course in Miracles. A Course in Miracles is a big blue book that it's it's about the teachings. And I'll just tell you right now, it's the teachings of Jesus, but they're not the teachings that the way we <laughs> came to know Jesus. And so basically it was channeled, actually it's channeled material, and it was channeled to a therapist at Columbia University. She thought she was going crazy and she wouldn't let anyone know that she was receiving this information, but she worked with her boss, believe it or not, at Columbia, and she would get the dictation. She would be channeled. It took seven years to, for it to come through, and between the two of them, they transcribed it and turned it into a book called A Course in Miracles. And basically, it is the original teachings of Jesus and, and what he meant. And what he means by that is he came at a time 2,000 years ago when everyone was not empowered. They were put upon by the Romans. They had been put upon by religious groups, and most of the people were living very powerless, unhappy lives. And as he says, he says, I came to help people learn to take back their power and to understand who they are as divine children of God. And basically, it is about standing in the light, and it's the light of God. So, you know, it's not it's not the Bible. It's very different from that, but it's the most, I will say, loving and kick-butt book I've ever read. And it really is, it leads you to soul search. And it's all about forgiveness because forgiveness is what heals. So, and then Jesus was all about forgiveness. But it's not forgiveness the way we were taught. It's a totally different type of forgiveness. He calls it uh, basically true forgiveness or quantum forgiveness. And so I had started to study that. I had read The Courts and Miracles. It's a textbook, but it's also a lesson for every day, and you do a lesson a day. There's 365 of them, and I had gone through it three times, the book three times, by the time I was initially diagnosed with cancer. So I knew that The Course in Miracles was helping me, and I give it full credit for the reason that I'm still here. Because had I not learned how to start forgiving and changing my the way I looked at life and at other people and what was going on, I would not be here today. And I'll be the first one to tell you that. And so I kept on doing the course. So I, all those years that I was in remission from cancer the first time, I was still doing the course, but I didn't do it the way I'd originally done it and paying a lot of attention to, you know, spending a lot of time focusing on forgiveness. I was a little bit more laissez-faire with it. So by the time I was re-diagnosed with cancer, I had to really take a good look at, at myself and what I was doing with my life and saying, how did I get cancer back if I had been working this out and forgiving and, and doing all this work? Well, it turns out I actually hadn't been. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'd kind of let things slide a little bit. So in 2017, when I was re-diagnosed, I thought, well, I've been studying this book for so long. Nobody's going to hire me. Here I have cancer again. Woe is me. I'm just going to sit down and write my little primer on A Course in Miracles because I actually did understand the tenets or thought I understood them by that time. And it was as I was sitting there at my kitchen table writing that book that I went into remission by doing just sitting there writing the book. I wasn't eating anything different. I wasn't taking any new drugs. I wasn't meditating. I wasn't 
doing anything except I was changing my mind. So the thoughts that went through my mind were very different because I was fully immersed in the course. And the course is the most loving book on the planet. I'll make no bones about it. And it's very high vibration. So I had to learn about energy and the frequency of love, which is the highest frequency there is. It is just, so everything is energetic. We're not taught this unless you're a physics major, but basically everything is, and and that includes thoughts. Thoughts have different energies to them, and energy vibrates either at, at a different frequency. And the more research I did in writing that book, the more I came to understand that there is a frequency for a healthy body. The human body, the immune system has a range. The frequency range for a healthy immune system is much higher than it is for cancer. So I thought to myself, my God, the way I, this went into, the way I went into remission is my thoughts were so high vibe that it brought my entire physical frequency up and it took it back from a level at which cancer vibrates to a level at which there's a healthy immune system vibrating again and the two are incompatible. So disease does not vibrate at the frequency of a healthy immune system. It's impossible. They're not compatible. They are on different frequencies. It's like tuning into a different radio station. So I realized that I'd gone up to my favorite radio station and I was out of the the doldrum radio station and I thought to myself, so how do I stay here? So that's been my journey now. So now that I understand energy and the vibration of energy, which puts you at a different frequency, and it's always going up and down, up and down by what you're thinking, by what you're eating, by all kinds of things that affect you, I thought, okay, now my mission is to keep myself high and also teach people how to do that. And so that, so I wrote another book about frequency and how to get beyond cancer by raising your frequency. And so, but it started with immersing myself in the, re-immersing myself in the Course in Miracles and its teachings, which are very high vibration. Oh my goodness. I love your openness to this. I love how you've taken your journey and you've turned it into a healing journey, you know, and you use the words forgiveness, which We don't equate to grief. We don't equate to cancer and illness and those kinds of things. And there really is a forgiveness in that. And A Course in Miracles is an amazing book. And I I love how you're taking it to another level. So at the end of the podcast, I want to get the names and titles of your books because I'm sure some of my listeners would love to jump in on those. But just your journey, just your journey and taking such good care of yourself by learning all of these ways to find a way to be on this planet longer, to love yourself enough to want to do this and find these ways. I just, you know, that's that's why I wanted you on this podcast today because your energy levels are so high. You know, I feel them. I felt them the first time I talked to you. And I love the fact that you have taken these really important things that many of us don't get to learn unless we do the digging or unless, like you said, we have a certain degree in something. This is so helpful. I kind of want to shift it really quickly because I don't want to lose the fact that, you know, you have been through this journey with your whole family, 
and yeah, you've lost a mother. You've gone through the journey with your sister and, and you had shared, you also been on this journey with your brother. Correct. And I lost my brother in February of this year after a six-year journey with cancer. And that was, boy, that really put it to the test, right? It, it really did. Because he was diagnosed with cancer in 2014, and I was not re-diagnosed with cancer until 2017. So for the first couple years of his cancer, we were all going out to help him. I mean, we never left him alone, not for the first year. He never spent a, a day by himself. So the whole family, because they're a, we're a big family, we were able to help his, his children and we would take turns going out. So when he was in the hospital, we were still out there because he had children and the young one was only 10 at the time, right? Much like your daughter. He was 10 when his dad was diagnosed and he was 16. He is 16 now as his father has passed and he's dealing with a lot. So we're still there for them. It's an unending journey with that one. But it was also an unending opportunity for radical acceptance. Now, what is that? So radical acceptance is what has been, and I, I have to say that I fully believe that my brother and I, before we came to this life, that we said to each other, okay, I'll do this for you and you'll do that for me. And my brother's gift to me was, I'm going to give you the opportunity to be radically accepting. And boy, did he. So that means that you have to accept everything. You have to go neutral. In other words, you stop judging. You just go neutral to zero point in physics. And what that allows you to do is to step back and say, I accept this. It's arrived in my life. There is purpose to it because it's standing right in front of me, right? All of this cancer, all of this disease. And... So what do I do with that? How did I turn that into a lesson that clearly it's a lesson I need to learn? What do I have to learn from this? Where does that meet me? And it just buys you breathing time to start looking inside because that's where all the answers are and that's where the work has to be done. So it was, he gave me a lot of opportunities for that to accept his journey, even though I did not want to. And I was, I had a hard time being gracious with that. I have to say also with my parents, it was very difficult to to allow them their journey that they chose for themselves because it, it, we have free will, right? On some level, we all have free will, whether we like it or not, and whether we like other people's journeys or not, I had to accept their journey. And I had to say, okay, I signed up for this. I'm here. I'm going to do it. So he really made me change the way I look at disease, the way I look at death, to be much more accepting of everything. And to be much more gracious and kind and loving and patient and giving and supportive and all of the things that I didn't have the opportunity to do even with my parents because they passed so much more quickly. And my sister, even though we helped her, she did not die from it. But we, my brother's disease was different and he did pass. And so it's been a, it's been a very deep and long journey there. Yeah. But that Radical acceptance helps me to stay focused in the present form so that I can use each present moment to turn it. When I feel myself going into my pity party, I, I flip it and I'm like, nope, I know my brother's still with me. I know my brother loves me. I know we're still in this on this journey together just from different vantage points. And that's how I deal with it. Oh, that's so beautiful. Wow. Yes. And what a gift we have in having siblings 
right? You know, we've both been down these, these paths of grief and, and illnesses in our family. And it's, it is a blessing that we have them. And like you're saying, it's sort of, it's programmed that way almost, you know, they're, they were all here for a reason. We're all here together for each other. And so much of it, as you said too, I love you, you, use the words kindness and love and connection. And isn't that, you know, really what life is all about? You know, we're all on this journey together and we want to get through it together. And you just, with your poignant stories and words, just really help us understand that. And it makes me want to like seek even deeper some of these things that you're talking about. Yeah, death and disease, nothing brings you closer as a family, really. I mean, I guess for some people it can do the opposite, but I know, as you've relayed to me, it brought you all closer, and it certainly did bring us closer together as a family. And that was the joy in it, because as you said, there's this extreme pain, but there's this extreme joy that you have each other, and you have each other's back, and you're there for each other. And that the growth in our own relationships between my siblings and I, my the ones who are left standing... It's much better than it was before. That was quite a gift that he gave us. My brother Chris did give that gift to us, and we all acknowledge that. Oh, that is beautiful, too. And, you know, as you're telling your stories, the words resilience and hope and belief are words that come to mind. So I want to ask you, what would you use to describe your story, your life, as you reflect, you know, not on just the past, but the present and into the future. What are some words that you would describe for your next? Right, exactly. Where, where am I going? Because I ask myself that every day. And, and am I going? I will say that I am committed to staying on the planet for now. I you know, I've worked hard to stay here. And I really, I think now, especially with my brother's passing, I understand that he he chose a different journey than than what I've chosen. And that's okay. And, and I'm okay with that. And, and every day I'm working on being okay with that. But from my perspective, what I came here to do is, I think, empower people to to understand that you don't give away your power to other people. They have no power over you unless you give it to them. So from a physical standpoint, stop waiting for somebody else to make you well and start understanding that you have it within your own self to raise your frequency and to be well. I am the first person to say, thank God I had modern Western medicine to help me, right? It gave me what I needed. I knew I could not do alternative medicine and survive because I knew I didn't believe in it. I had been raised with a certain set of beliefs, and I had to honor my beliefs, and I did. So I went through chemo, I went through radiation, I did all the drugs, and there have been consequences. However, in all of that, it bought me the time I needed to investigate what my beliefs were, so that if it came to the point where Western medicine could no longer help me, which it did, that I was able to stand on my own two feet and say, I got this, I can do this, and here I am doing it. And, you know, instead of saying, well, I'm out of here in three years, I'm like, no, in 30 years, I'm going to be doing that because I've made a different choice. I understand I have free will and I can use it to be positive and raise my frequency or I can use it to be a victim, my own, and keep it low and let the cancer take me where it's going to take me. And I know that drill and I'm not going back. 
I love that. You're not going back. I am not. I have put cancer behind me. And my goal now going forward is to help other people do the same thing if they choose to do that. That is their choice. And I will honor anyone's choice. It was your choice. It's my choice. It was not my brother's choice. And there's great learning in that. But I will, I also want to say that even if it not everyone that I work with or that I talk to who has cancer or, or has a recurrence of cancer is going to survive it. I understand that. It may not be their soul's journey. It may, on a soul level, that's not what they came to do. However, as long as they're working with me, at least they can start to learn that they do have a power to change and to become their own advocate internally and to stand in their own power and stop giving their power away to anyone else or any system or any medicine or any pill to make them better. That's not what makes you better. It's what's going on in your head, in your mind, in your heart that makes you better. Yes. And I I would assume that some of what you've written about would allow our listeners to understand what those things are more specifically. But if you had to help someone that's going through their own adversity, they're listening to you today, what are like maybe one or two tidbits of thoughts? And you've given us a lot of thoughts, but I just wanted to see if you could just put it into like one or two really specific things that we can all start doing with our mind. The most important thing you can do, well, there's couple things. First, begin to really start to love yourself. And how do you do that? Even on a physical level, and I have to do this every day. I start at the top of my head and I go down through my body and I envision all the cells in my body, all the cells in my back, all the cells throughout my body as cancer-free. I see a clean spine because it was in my spine. I see clean lungs. I see a healthy body. And then the next thing that I do is I start to take a couple minutes of that journey after I've gone through my spine to envision myself on a stage. And when I'm on that stage, I am standing there and the audience is full and we are literally singing and I'm singing for a reason. I am uplifting my frequency by singing and I am singing. I am the light. I am love. I am healthy. I am joy. And the audience is singing it with me and different. And then I start orchestrating them to go through it with me and different parts of the audience is singing different parts of the song. But together, we are raising a frequency so high that when you walk away from that experience, just of having had, it's like being in the best rock concert ever and you're singing for your own health. The energy that you raise from that, just doing that exercise and singing your heart out about, I'm healed, I'm light, I'm love, I'm pure energy, I'm joy, I'm happiness, whatever comes to mind for you that you want to sing about and everyone is singing it with you, you do that for two minutes a day, start your day with that, I guarantee you that will raise the frequency of your start of your day and if you go back to that thought and start, you know, every time you start going low, start imagining yourself raising your vibration by saying, I am light, I am love, I am, you know, I I just start singing and I grow it and I really raise my frequency by adding power to my voice and I really can shout it out by the end of that. I I tell you that will raise your frequency like nothing else. Oh, I love that. I love that. And you know, as grievers, as people who have gotten through a cancer journey or two and you know, who have been through some tough stuff, I have to say that we almost need to share 
our journeys with others as almost a responsibility to say, you know, this, these are some of the things we've been through and I want to share how we got through it with still kindness in our heart, not anger in our hearts and all of those things, you know, like you say it so beautifully, I can never put it to words, but I'm feeling you. I'm feeling what all of the things you're saying, even just what you explained, there's something about when, when you say a prayer, give that prayer out to the entire universe instead of just the person you're praying to, because that can be channeled all the way out there. And I've, I really believe that. And it's such an enlightening feeling to do that as well. And so, you know, everything that you're saying, I'm like, oh, she's validating everything. <laughs> Thank you. It is that. Yeah, it, it absolutely is that. And it really is, you know, it's important for us. Uh, I've had to learn to honor, to love myself, right? Self-love, because so many of the root beliefs behind any disease or any grief are a sense of unworthiness, that you don't, that you're a sinner, that you're unworthy. And that, of course, goes back to all the programming and the training we've had from the time we were very little. But those thoughts need to be undone, all those beliefs, because they're unhealthy. And so that's why when I go down through my body and I, uh, I'm seeing everything as being healthy, I'm seeing all of my cells vibrating and they're singing with me, right? So I start singing in my body and all the cells start singing that. And I, I envision every cell kind of like bubbling up in light. I have to do this envisioning because that's what brings that energy to you that starts to raise your frequency. And then I'm going to project it out also, which brings me more. And the higher you go and the more you project, the more you get back. It's a holographic universe. So everything that you project out is going to come back, right? And you want it to come back healthy. You want it to come back loving. And so when you put it out that way, that's what comes back to you. And the more you focus on that, the more that becomes your reality. And that's healthy. That's healthy. Yes. Healthy. We love that word. We love that word. And we do. I think that too, it's just your story and what you've been through. So many people in their minds always think, oh my gosh, this person's had so many losses and and they have this cancer gene and they've got all of these illnesses and how does she get through it? How does she keep going? And until we have kind of stood on the edge, right? People don't know how to do it. People don't get it and don't understand. And what I always appreciate is that people that take it to that next level where you want to live so much that you are going to find that way. And whether it's love, whether it's mindfulness, whether it's support systems from your family, friends, colleagues, all of that is the good energy. And I say all that because I get that question a lot from my own situations where it's like, you've been through so much. Why aren't you angrier? Why aren't you pissed off? Why aren't you sadder? And it's hard to explain to someone. And I always say, I wouldn't be who I am today if it wasn't for the journeys. And no one wants to go on them. I don't want to go on them again either. But it is 
who I am today. And I would say the same about you, Maria. I mean, you are this light, you are this warmth, you are this openness, yet you've had so much to bear and so much to carry. And so it's just so beautiful to hear your words and and experience you, your energy, your kindness and your light. Thank you. Thank you. It's, it, you know, it's, I feel the same about you. I think we're here doing the same thing. I, the people that we touch in our lives, they need to see people who've walked through it, really the valley of death, right? Literally walk through it and come out the other end into the light. And it is possible. And not only is it possible, but we're here to help you, right? Yes. And I love that. It's possible and we're here to help. I love that. That's a great way to kind of wrap up here. So before we do, first of all, what is a good way for people to get in touch with you? And also maybe that way can take them to your books or you can talk a little bit about that here now. Sure. Well, the first book that I wrote is Put Cancer Behind You and it is available on Amazon. And that is really what I would say is a primer on A Course in Miracles. It really takes the basic tenets of A Course in Miracles and talks about and explains them. And it's a very short book, but it's one that really, if you're looking for true forgiveness, if you want to understand quantum forgiveness and what Jesus meant by that, because it's very different, that is, go, go read A Course in Miracles, but to really understand it, read my book as well. And the second book is Your Healthy Future, Living Above the Frequency of Disease. And that's the book, which is very similar to the first one. I actually wrote it for a different audience, for an audience that's not into A Course in Miracles, but still wanted to be well and stay well. And so that really talks about frequency and energy, which gives you more of the physics behind wellness. And there there is a frequency. There absolutely is a frequency to everything. And that's now that I understand that, I understand much better how to navigate my own health and how to plan for a future that is truly vibrant and and not fearful. That is so great. I know I I'm downloading your books for sure. <laughs> and with that, Maria, is there anything else you'd like to share with us today that I may have missed or anything that comes to you that you say, "Oh gosh, I wish I had said this or I left that out." Anything else before we say goodbye to our audience today? No, just that I think it's important for people to address their grief because you can't be on, you can't really fully start your journey to wellness until you address the grief and what's behind it. And and that's where you come in. And I really encourage people to to stay the course and, and work through the grief. And then, and as you go through grief, add forgiveness to it. And allow yourself to fully feel the grief and then allow yourself to fully feel the forgiveness. And from that comes the love that you're seeking that is the foundation for the life that you want going forward. And I think look at it as a stair step approach to, you know, handle all the stuff that's holding you back and then we can get to the stuff that's going to move you forward. And that's what I would say. And I want to thank you for for doing just that with everyone. Oh, you bet. And thank you for putting it into those words in that way. Because again, I don't think that grief and illness people think of it as a grieving process, but it really is. And it's really important to, to pay attention. So thank you for sharing that as well. And Maria Barnes, ah, this was just so joyful today. Thank you so very much. 
I feel hopeful and resilient. And I'm really, I'm just truly honored that you were here on, on my podcast today. So thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you for listening to Giving Grief a Voice with Maureen Desmond. We hope you'll follow our monthly program on Apple Podcasts or on any of your favorite pod platforms. And be sure to visit us on givinggriefavoice.org, on Facebook and Twitter for links to materials referenced in this episode. Also, you can help us grow our audience by leaving a thoughtful review. Remember, if you or someone you know needs grief coaching or consulting, Maureen is here to help. We'll see you next time.